All right, here we go. We're live on Facebook. And uh, welcome, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Ecom Sales Tax Podcast. I'm Andy Johnson. I'm here with my co-host, Daniel Peisner, CMI. Hey, Dan. Hey there, Andy. How's it going this week? It's going well. We've got some nice weather for a change. Yeah, I was noticing that. A uh, little bit of sunshine in the background there as opposed to the constant thunderstorms. Well, this is Texas, so just wait a day and they'll be back. Apparently they will. All right, Dan. Well, uh, this week I thought it would be good to talk about uh, e-commerce businesses, hence you know the name of the Ecom Sales Tax Podcast. But one specific issue, and that is uh, companies who uh, sell items probably for resale. That's probably the most common exemption if they're if they're selling uh, to other businesses, they may be selling to distributors. Now, there's other types of exempt customers. Maybe it's a hospital or a church uh, or, or a school or something along those lines. Uh, but I thought it would be good to talk about um, just some issues around this whole area of e-commerce businesses and what they should be doing about certificates. So, Dan, just give us a little bit of background, a little bit of context. Uh, what, is, what are the general rules if you're selling tangible property and your customer says, hey, don't charge me tax, I'm exempt? Well, uh, once, you have, once you are registered to collect the tax within a state, uh, you are required to collect tax on all of the transactions that take place within that state unless that unless it's, it's some form of product that is on its face exempt or unless you, uh, your customer supplies a valid uh, exemption certificate. And, and as you said, Andy, the most common form of this is the humble resale certificate. And, and what this will simply say is that, is that your customer is purchasing it to resell in the ordinary course of business. They have to provide their, tax, their uh, taxpayer ID number for that given state. Uh, usually they may have to check and fill in a few other items uh, that, and then they will sign it, present it to you. And then you are essentially off the hook for collecting tax on that very transaction. So sometimes um, tax nerds like us, we get all caught up in the technicalities and uh, let's talk about um, the real world practical impact of exemption certificate management or lack thereof. So, for example, um, I'm just going to share a slide in case people are watching. Uh, it just adds a little bit of interest. Uh, one thing that I, I say a lot of times in teaching people about fighting sales tax audits, uh, and this is the practical world, the real world of exempt certificates is they don't do anything for you uh, except give you a good feeling maybe uh, until you're audited. If you were never audited, then certificates do nothing. There's no value that they add except they take up space in your filing cabinet or on your hard drive. So there's, there's nothing of value to them unless you dispute that, Dan, uh, until you are audited. Because the, the general rule, like Dan said, is if you make a sale of taxable goods in a state where you have nexus, then uh, you must collect the tax on those goods or collect a valid certificate in lieu of the tax. There's just, you know, an on-off switch right there that you have to 
collect that. If you fail to collect the uh, certificate, then uh, you very well may be selling something for resale. It's not like a moral transgression, right? Um, because the theory of sales tax is it should be applied to the ultimate consumer, right? So it's not like you're being dishonest per se. It's just you don't have the document. But what happens is when you get audited, then the auditor says, if, if, if you can't prove to me that this item is for resale, for example, then I have to assess the tax. And that's when the auditors get all technical because uh, it's just too easy, right? They, uh, if you don't have just the right form uh, with the right signature and the right date uh, filled out correctly, then they just say, well, sorry, it's not documented uh, correctly, therefore I must assess the tax. I have no choice. Uh, that's, that's the position that auditors always take. And I always say it's very easy for an auditor to, to find this problem. Uh, it falls in that category of uh, very little work, big reward. And so an auditor comes in and says to an e-commerce business and says to them, uh, let's say it's an auditor for the state of Texas. Texas is very active uh, in the sales tax audit world, and they're, they're very rough on certificates. So they come and audit you. And uh, very businesslike, you know, they'll just be very friendly. Texans are always friendly. And they'll say, hey, um, part of my responsibility is just to double check your sales figures. And if you would uh, go back into your records and produce for me a report of everything that you didn't collect tax on. I won't make you do it for the whole period. You know, that would be way too much work. Let's just pick a month. And the whole audit period is four years. Uh, let's go back to, say, uh, you know, April 2015. And if you could, just produce a report. All right, so you e-commerce businesses, think about that. If a state like Texas came to you and said, I need a report from 2015 April of every transaction on, that you shipped a good to the state of Texas uh, on which you collected no sales tax, how easy would it be for you even to produce that report? And we haven't even got to the bad part yet, right? Uh, what I have found in my many years of experience is it's not unusual for companies not to have the, the to, to be able to pull a report like that because it involves ship to information. And a lot of companies don't necessarily maintain a report like that based on ship to locations. But that's the report that they want or that's the report that you should give to them. They may want a lot more. But anyway, so they look at that. You finally pulled together a report. It was a lot of work. You had to work weekends to do it. <clears throat> you finally get the report, and you give it back to the auditor, or your, your representative gives it back to the auditor. Basically, what the auditor does at that point is say, uh, maybe they'll, they'll upload it into their own software, but pretty much what they do, very little work, they just say, here, uh, here's this report right back at you. And now all I need from you is on every one, each one of these transactions, I need the certificate that you collected, the exempt certificate that you collected at the time of that transaction. So just produce that for me. Take your time, you know, get it to me in a couple of weeks, um, and I'll review those. And if everything's fine, then we're in good shape. So Dan, uh, 
thinking about all the projects you've worked on, how likely is it that going back three to four years in e-commerce business will have 100% of its exempt certificates from April of 2015? Uh, I would say it's pretty rare. Uh, I, I don't know if it's, uh, ne- I, I wouldn't necessarily say Cubs winning the World Series rare, but uh, it, it is a pretty, it, it is a, a rare, rare phenomenon. Uh, what, what we typically find with, with a lot of our clients is that when they, they get asked to produce those on audit, uh, that they've, you've got a lot of them that are missing. You've got a lot of them that are incomplete. Uh, they, the, the seller's name and address is not filled out. The buyer's name and address may not be filled out. We've got a lot of them. You, you see a lot of them that just put in, uh, that, that sent the wrong certificate. Uh, where they sent they sent a tax permit in a state where that's not there. There's a, there are a couple of states out there where that is the appropriate form, but it's very rare. Uh, some for whatever reason decided to send a W nine. I, I still don't understand why that ends up in the te- in the exemption certificate file. Hey, whatever whatever form gets the tax off my invoice, that's what form I'm sending in. Well, that's they and send it in. They do so. You get all those forms. Uh, you hand them to the auditor and the auditor ends up uh, rejecting a bunch of them. The, right. uh, as you said, it's low hanging fruit. It's very, the most, almost every state out there has a regulation or a statute that says that a properly completed certificate must be issued and they can point to it and say, this is what our rule says. You don't, you know, the, you didn't fill in or they didn't fill in the seller's name and address. Uh, especially if you're selling to a, a big, uh, a particularly big uh, company like, uh, say, you're you're selling to you're, you're doing drop shipping for Wayfair, or you're doing drop shipping for uh, a for Best Buy or for one of these big companies. A lot of them just they just send out they're so overwhelmed they send out certificates halfway filled out, and they don't fill them in. That's not to say that every auditor is going to disallow them. I've seen some auditors that that have surprised me. I gave them a certificate. I said, "There is no way this is going to pass muster." They accepted it. So there, there really is no universal constant for it. But I have, I've at the same token, I've seen some very aggressive auditors that just disallowed anything. They even disallowed valid ones. We had to go back and fight. But they, all the incomplete ones, all just got tossed out, and auditors set all those sales right up, and that and that added up quite a bit. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, it, it, to me, it, as I've worked on these myself so many times, it, it wouldn't be unusual for an auditor to find 20 to 50% of, first of all, for the company to go back and say, wow, I'm missing uh, 30% of the certificates. I'm just 30% of these transactions. I just don't have. And then they give their 70% of their certificates and it contains all those things you talked about, Dan, with W-9s and all these types of things, or, or they're just not dated correctly uh, or signed, and it's the wrong form, and the auditor disallows another 20%. So uh, that's why I say it's such low-hanging fruit, because the auditor says, hey, uh, 50% of the, my one-month sample uh, is not valid. So what that means is half of, your, of the population 
of sales on which you collected no sales tax in my state, you should have collected sales tax. And so whatever the, think of uh, if you're an e-commerce seller and there's transactions that you didn't collect sales tax on, uh, that 50% of them uh, would, would be taxable. So that times 8% times 50% uh, times 1.5 for penalty and interest. And you could see how this uh, really could add up. Dan, let's talk about the extrapolation methods uh, because it's not unusual for us for a state auditor to say, I'll pick one month from each of the of the years under audit and then I'll extrapolate from there. So if it's a four four year statute like in Texas, then one month uh, uh, into 48, that means, or four months into 48, that means whatever they find times 12, right? Yeah. Uh, some states will do the block sampling method, similar to what you've just mentioned. Some of them will do in, instead a, a dollar stratified where they'll, they'll pull say a hundred or, or 200 transactions and they will look at, at your, they'll, they'll look at your, uh, uh, They'll look at them and everything that doesn't have tax on it, they're going to want a certificate for. So it, it, you can have certificates for every, or for, for a lot of your vendors, but if it's not the one that ends up in a sample, then it's not going to help you much. You've got to have you, and you never know what's going to end up in a, in, in these ex, extrapolated audits. So you've, you've got to try to get a, a certificate on everything. Um, we've, we've, uh, and, and uh, on another note, it, you want, you want to make sure you get those certificates timely at the time of sale. There are a lot of states that, in fact, that say you need to get it within 90 days of the sale. So, Dan, I'm really glad you brought that up because when you look at the statutes across the different states, there are a number of them that say the, the only valid certificate is a certificate you got at the time of the transaction, which seems incredibly harsh to me. And I would just point out that in my experience, even though the statute may say that, uh, in my experience, uh, every state that we've ever come up, you know, knock on wood, uh, has allowed us after the fact to get certificates. Let's talk about Texas specifically. How does Texas, what, what's their timeline like? If you're under audit by the state of Texas and they find missing certificates, what does that process look like? What's the, what's the limitations there? The limitation is, uh, if you if they ask for certificates, then if if uh, they, they they do the audit, they find they find a bunch of certificates missing. Missing, they send you the bill. You come back and say, "No, wait a minute. I can these are resale. I can get them." You file a timely appeal that opens the audit back up, sends it back to the audit office. You are then given a letter that says you have sixty days in which to produce those missing certificates. Any certificates that are issued after that point are not they are not valid. They cannot be produced in a you you can't uh, produce them in a hearing later. I don't even think you can produce them in a, if you take it to district court because statutorily, once they issue that letter, you have to provide the certificate, and that is a a hard and fast rule. Uh, one yeah. of the I'm say one of the other. One of the other disadvantages to, to waiting and producing the certificates after the fact is uh, like the 90-day the rule in, in Texas and even in Texas, uh, even if, if they do accept it, they will provide, they can, they can do additional scrutiny. 
if you, when you accept that certificate at the time of sale, before that audit starts, you're given in, in many states what's known as good faith. It means you don't have to go hire a private detective. You don't have to launch a forensics investigation. You can just, as long as it's not something painfully obvious, like a, uh, a widget retailer buying some office furniture they claim for, is for resale, uh, it, as long as it seems reasonable and it's with regular course of business, you don't have to do a, a deep investigation. You can accept it. It's on them. When, that, when you provide it later, you don't get good faith. You get, you get the, the auditor trying to dig deeper. This, will, this includes everything up to, and I've seen this, them calling the issuer of the certificate and badgering them to get information as to whether or not it was really used for, any, for they, whether they really resold that or it was used for an exempt purpose. Uh, let me tell you, your customers absolutely love it when the comptroller is calling them three times <laughs> off the hook trying to, get, trying to talk to them. Right. I think that's one of the reasons, I'm, I'm sure it is, that the sample always, the initial sample is always like three years ago because it's, uh, the chances of, of, you know, losing it over that time period. But even if, even if you, even if every state gives you some window of time to get the certificates, if you're looking for certificates that are three or four years old, uh, the chance of getting them from your customers drops, right? Precipitously. And you were telling me, Dan, that, uh, you're, you're working on an audit right now where you're trying to get a, an exempt certificate from a client, and what's his hesitation? Well, the hesitation is that the, is that the business was sold, and so the, this is the new, the, uh, the new company or the, the new owner that would have to sign off on this, and so he's looking at the certificate and saying, now, I don't know what, what happened on here. Is this, is this really valid? Do I, do I, you know, do I want to put my name on this? So you get the longer out those audits go, the, the bigger a risk that becomes. Sometimes you just get a good old fashioned bankruptcy in there and there is nobody left to sign a certificate. Yeah. Or they've been acquired by somebody. Uh, it could be that the, the customer in question is, you know, wholesaler Inc. Right. It's clear that the item is for resale yet you I've seen cases where the customer in question is Walmart. And the auditor still said, no, I don't have a certificate from them. So uh, you're obviously, it's clear you're selling products that Walmart is reselling, but the auditor won't accept it without the certificate. Now Walmart, you should be able to get the certificate assuming you can talk to the right person. What's the moral to the story, Dan? What's what's the bottom line of all this? The bottom line is if if they do not give you a certificate at the time of sale, charge them the tax. Um, and a, a note for for those of you that are uh, and those of you out there that are, are looking at the oncoming uh, economic nexus, uh, there when it, we talk about resale certificates. There's a number of multi-state forms out there. The Streamline Sales Tax uh, Project has one for all the streamlined states. Multi-state Tax Commission puts one out that's accepted in a, a pretty decent number of states. Uh, you got to be careful and make sure that, make sure those are, are the most current versions. But you can get a lot of, uh, especially at, at least for resale, you can get a lot of resale numbers all at once. And it's 
it's good to typically a lot of the big sellers will put every one of their permit numbers on them because they, they don't want to have to reissue it later. And even though you may not have Nexus in that state today, tomorrow you might, or you might in the next month or three months, especially at the, the rate these states are starting to adopt economic Nexus, uh, do you really want to be rehashing this and asking them for another certificate in, in three to six months? So it's just easier. It's, it's, uh, it adds a little bit of friction to the transaction to uh, request a certificate, but it just needs to be for your protection, part of your process. And best practice usually is if they don't supply this, you know, bill the tax until you get the certificate. Yeah, you eventually have to go back and refund the tax when you get the certificate, uh, but you've got to keep your leverage or else you may never get the certificate and you end up having to pay that tax out of pocket yourself that you should have collected from your customer or they should have paid you. So um, thank you so much, Dan. Thank you for sharing your expertise. Uh, that concludes uh, this episode of the uh, Ecom Sales Tax Podcast. We'll see you next week. My pleasure, Andy. Thanks.